Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hey, Reggie, how you doing, my friend? What do you mean, uh? What are you going, uh? <laughs> That's a Honeymooners reference there, Reggie. You don't even know what that show is or the reference. But it doesn't matter. I get a kick out of it. All right. So, are you ready to do uh, 382? So am I. You're all set? No submarine sandwich today, huh? No? Later. <laughs> all right, here we go. Star, smile strong. Get that finger on the trigger. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. Nah, I didn't like that one. Yeah, a little too much. A little too quick. Ready? Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. But if you're a longtime listener, you know that just hitting play is not enough. Your job is to get out there and spread the word, to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much, 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 much appreciated. If you like what you hear, don't forget, you go to WGNRadio.com. You hit the prompt for podcasts, and then you go into the prompt for this specific podcast. And my goodness. There they are, just waiting for you to binge on. Go in there with an appetite. Go in there with an empty stomach. So you got lots to binge on. Keep lots of room empty. (laughs) Just keep scrolling down and hitting play and scrolling down and hitting play. It's good to know where we've been so you'll always know where we're going. Right now we're going to episode 382. On this podcast, if you have been a listener of any length of time, whether it's literally from episode one in May, I think it was May 24th. Thank you, Craig. May 24th, 2016. Or if you've been listening to me even before that on the radio, on WGN, back in the mid 20 to i guess the mid 2000s right back in from 2009 when we were first on in the afternoons me uh, i was on with um, radio hall of famer and uh, chicago legend gary meyer 
And so if you've been listening from even way back then, my gosh, I appreciate it so much. But even if you've uh, somehow, you know, happened upon this podcast in the last month or year or five years, who knows when, whenever you've jumped upon, jumped on the bandwagon, if you will, whenever you hopped on board, once again, welcome, and we appreciate you uh, taking the time. Uh, but I think if, you, if, if you've listened in any kind of extended period of time, as I always uh, urge you to, uh, if you're new to the podcast, to go back and listen to some older ones to get a flavor of, of what this podcast is all about. You get used to my cadence and my interests. I'm always trying to share as much with you as possible, as I always say. That I view this as a dialogue, even though it goes out to the world and you know, many, many people can listen to it. I don't know how many do, to be honest. Uh, I hope millions. <laughs> I doubt it very much. But I still... Um, go about this as a dialogue, regardless of how many people listen to it cumulatively, at the time, unlike radio, which is broadcasting, you're on the terrestrial radio or even on satellite radio, you've got a, a big audience, broadcasting, thus the term. Podcasting is narrow casting. You're speaking to one person, even though you're speaking to a lot of people at that moment, you're speaking to one person. I'm talking to you. Yes, many people may be listening to this at different times, and the odds that you're listening to it at the same time are astronomical. You might as well buy a, a lottery ticket on that one. So, yeah, this is a sort of a, a two-pronged approach. You want to, from my standpoint, just to give you a little behind the scenes um you know i try to come up with topics that i that I hope will be interesting to a broad audience but i also believe that i'm talking to a very narrow audience when i'm doing it in the actual discussion um i try to make it as conversational and as individualized as possible. I don't know each and every one of you, but I try to at least in my presentation talk on this podcast as if I was just talking to you. And um, and so if you've listened with any kind of regularity, uh, you know, what I do also for this on this podcast is try to to um, bring parts of my own um, uh, personality my own likes and dislikes, certainly my opinions. I like to uh, talk about big uh, topics that may be um, in the news or universal topics that people uh, can all relate to in a variety of topics or, or, or in a variety of subjects. I'll talk a little bit about politics, but in today's world, you know, everybody's doing that and I don't I, 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 unless there's something really pressing, um, I try to stay away from that. But I'll, I mean, I, I, hey, look, you know, I, politics get involved. But as I say to you, I always try to be as objective as possible. I, I, I still try to remain, uh, to some extent, like a reporter objective in today's world, especially in broadcasting, on television and in radio. Um, it is all subjective. Um, and I still certainly give my opinions, which is subjective. 
But I try to do so, once again, in a, in a way that is fair to both sides. I'll give my opinion, but I'll also try to at least uh, address the other side and maybe say why I don't agree with that. But I don't just pile on the propaganda. And sometimes, as I said, I will talk about big, huge topics. And sometimes I will talk about some of the goofiest minutia that is worthy of a Seinfeld episode. (laughs) And sometimes uh, it's as quirky as possible uh, because I think in many ways I, I do have an interesting kind of quirky personality and uh, and and I look at things in a, in a hopefully in a, in a unique way that is entertaining and interesting for you. Like, oh, wow, that's and, and maybe sometimes you listen to a podcast and I'm going off on something and you're like, wow, I don't know where the hell you came up with that or whoa, that's weird. Um, that's fine. Because that's what this is all about. Once again, it's uh, it's a conversation between two people. And I view you as a friend, and I hope you view me uh, just the same. Unfortunately, um, it's a one-way conversation. But as you can tell, um, I, uh, I don't have trouble with a one-way conversation. <laughs> I can usually fill at least an hour, and if you listen with any regularity, probably more than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. It's there for you, and you can turn it on and turn it off anytime you like. You can listen for 45 minutes and say, I'll wait. Oh, it's got another. Oh, my God, this is a long one. He's really jabbering today. I'll come back and listen later. That's fine. I don't know when you listen or how you listen. I just hope you do listen. So while a lot of the topics are of issues or different um events that may have happened that uh, are big, big news, a lot of times they're very small and very specific and very particular. That's what this one is today. <laughs> and I enjoy this kind. I, I mean, you know, I think, I think it's, uh, it's, it's up to me to, to stay current, and, and I want to make the, the podcast as topical and interesting as, as possible. And so, yes, I look for topics that we all can talk about and relate to or that we know something about, and I will certainly offer my opinion, and I always have very strong opinions on things. But then, as I said, there's the little quirky side that I always, every so often I like to slip in there just to remind you um, that, uh, you know, there's hopefully a little something unique about this as well, because we can all talk about big topics all the time, Right. I always talk about how, you know, I don't have any real proficiency in in fixing things. You know, I have to call the guy. And I've shared many uh, stories over the last several years about things that have happened around the house when I have to call the guy. Call the man. Just call the man. Um, But this is one that um, I'll tell you, I, I would never have expected to uh devote a whole podcast to it but then the more i thought about it i said no this is this is right up my alley and so that's why i do like to mine if you will topics not only from the newspapers not only from the internet but from my life and from this kind of at times uh scattershot uh, brain of mine 
And uh, this one is right out of real life. No two ways about it. Uh, it just happened a couple of days ago. In fact, I had another topic uh, prepared to do, and I'm going to push that one back because I really thought this one uh, would be interesting, and it was still fresh in my mind, so let me talk about it now. Uh, if you listen to me at all, you know that there are some things that I am, and I admit to this, I'm very anal, I'm very overly organized at times. I said I love to do lists, and I love to make a list and then check everything off, and I, and I like when things are just right, they're in the right spot. Oh, wait, wait a minute, you know, I mean, I'll walk around the house, we have a lot, I have a lot of different kind of collectibles of different things, uh, the house is decorated in such a way that it really does reflect both mine and my wife's, uh, not wives, wife's. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not living in Utah. I'm not a polygamist. Wife's, that's singular, um, interests and likes in terms of art and other things. And so we have quite a few different things around the house. And hopefully when, if you walked into our house, you would, you would really get a sense of, of what we like or who we are just by looking around at the walls. It, it, it could be a sensory overload to some extent. There's very few spots. There's very few walls uh, and and spots that are not filled with something. But I like that. I, I would love for someone to come into my house the first time especially or the 20th time and walk around and go, I never saw that before. Um, so a museum, no, not quite, but um, certainly has that kind of feel to it. But hopefully it's, it's, a, it's a homey kind of thing, not sterile like a museum sometimes is. But regardless, uh, this, uh, this, today's topic certainly falls into the quirky side of an Elton Jim. But, but I tell you, I think, I think you can relate, or at least you can um, decide if I'm completely off my rocker uh i'm completely wrong or you'll go well i'm now let me let me see the next time i do this um for some reason my wife is a is a very good baker very good baker she loves to bake and she's very good at it what's interesting is she's not the greatest cook which is fine um but what I think is really funny, and not that she has to be, I actually enjoy cooking, and I enjoy doing it. Uh, my dad used to like to cook, and I think I got that from him. My mom was a terrible cook, as I, I've said many times here. Uh, my joke used to be growing up, if Swanson doesn't make it, we don't eat it. <laughs> and it wasn't that it wasn't that bad. Thankfully, we didn't we didn't eat Swanson uh, frozen dinners all that much. We did though at a, at, at a certain time. Or, you know, I mean, at, at times, but not very often. But when we did, when we did have really good meals, it was mostly my dad cooking them. I have to say, just as a little sideline here, the other day I was in the grocery store, and I was in the frozen food section. And you know, we don't really eat a lot of frozen food, so I don't buy a lot of that. And so it's been a while since I'd been in the frozen, the fro- frozen, <laughs> the frozen food aisle. And my gosh, they are there are there are there are more frozen food aisles now than there are dry 
aisles in a grocery store or pretty close to it. And those and the cases now are very elaborate. They're 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 tall and and they have nice big doors. I mean, you know, they open wide. You could see everything. I mean, the 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 refrigerated section of grocery stores now has really been upgraded in the last five, six, seven years. At least as far as I as as far as someone that I don't really go into the frozen food aisle all that often. And when I do venture in there, I'm going for something very specific. And I just and that's the way I, I, I usually shop anyway. I have my list and I go right I'm I'm not a I'm not a browser. I don't browse at anything. When I go shopping for anything, I mean that you I mean how much you know how many how many times do you even go to a store anymore to shop? Yeah, grocery store, yes, but you know, like you know, to go to the store to buy a pair of pants or a pair of shoes, I mean, you know, shirt or something like that. I mean, I, I, I've done most of my shopping over the last several years online now. Don't even really even go to a store. Some of the stores that I used to go to aren't even existence. They've closed. They're, they're closed. They're, they're, they're brick and mortar places. But uh, so I've never been a browser. Whenever, whenever I need, I, if I need to buy a couple of pair of jeans or I need shirts, I go right there. I, I go to the section. I pick them up and boom, I'm gone. I don't spend hours. And it's the same way when I go to the grocery store. Well, I, my wife wanted some frozen fruit. She's making some smoothies. And so I, was, I didn't even know where they were. I, I, I said, I'm so, uh, I have no knowledge of, of the sections of where things are. I know, I know where things are. I really know when I go to the grocery store, I go to the same grocery store, and I know where my stuff is. I am in the grocery store for about 15 to 20 minutes. That's all. Boom. I go. I have my seven little different spots that I hit every week, and that's it. Boom. There's no, oh. It, when I, if my wife ever goes with me, every so often she'll go with me, and my head is spinning. Oh, my God. It's like, where is she? I'm already eight aisles down. I'm looking back, and she's still looking. I'm like, wow. Oh. No lollygagging. That's, my t- that's, that's one of my favorite phrases. No lollygagging. So, uh, but here, uh, I, I go to the frozen fruit aisle. Why do I frozen fruit? I guess that's why my, I've been saying that word wrong. I go to the frozen food aisle trying to find the frozen fruit. And I'm going around trying to, you know, where is it? And I was just amazed. First of all, I mean, there's, there's almost everything now that's frozen. There's a frozen version of everything. There always was a good amount of frozen foods, but it just seems like, and I mean, I must have been, like I said, I, I must have been, I must be out of it. I don't go there, so I don't, I don't go in that section. Maybe it's been like this for a while, but it, it was sort of new to me. There's, there's a frozen counterpart of anything. Obviously, frozen vegetables, yes, and, and things like that. And yes, the frozen dinner. But my gosh, now you're seeing so many specialty items. Frozen this, frozen that. Wow. Um, I was in shock to see how many frozen pizza brands there are. In the grocery store that I went to, there were at least, there was one aisle with freezers on both sides 
of the aisle that were filled with different configurations of pizzas. Whether they were full pizzas, there were slices of pizzas, there were half pizzas, there were stuffed pizzas and thick pizzas and thin pieces, pizzas. I, I, was, I was shocked. I was like, my God. I mean, I remember there used to be like three frozen pizzas. Geno's. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, it's been that long. Now there's Red Barons and DiGiorno's and, and, home, and a lot of well-known local pizzas from the Chicago area like Connie's and, and Home Run Inn. But then there's some other uh, brands. I never even, I couldn't, I can't even remember off my, off my head now because I, I, I never heard of them before. Wow. A lot of people are eating frozen pizzas. I, I mean, we don't eat pizza all that much, but when we do, we do order it fresh. You know, we go and get it. My favorite pizza is Lou Malnati's, but sometimes I'll go to another local place in my area for a thin crust. I like the Lou's deep dish. I'm not crazy about their thin crust, although they have a very good gluten pizza, gluten-free pizza at lose which i like but like i said we'll we'll go to a, a few different places for a thin crust if we have a, a, a flavor for that but we always just get it freshly made we order it and go pick it up but i wasn't aware of how many frozen pizzas are they that good have has, has the frozen pizza um technology now i'm, I'm, I'm and i'm being honest with you I mean, my my experience with frozen pizza literally is going back 35 or 40 years. That's when I say Gino's Pizza. Yeah, I mean, people might not even know what that is. I'm sure they don't even make it anymore. I used to like the Gino's Pizza Rolls. They still make pizza rolls? I mean, I'll tell you, I love a good pizza puff. I still love a good pizza puff. Mr. Submarine has good pizza puffs. You don't see pizza puffs around a lot. I bet you they have frozen pizza puffs. At the grocery store, I'm, you know, now that I talk about this, the next time I go there, I'm going to actually really look in the frozen food aisle to see what they have. And I bet you they, I bet you they have pizza puffs in there. Oh, man, I, I love pizza puffs. Haven't had one of those in a long time. Sort of like a calzone. But um, I don't know. Maybe frozen pizzas are, when I was a kid, when, that's the last time I really ate a frozen pizza. They were not very good. Now, maybe with time and we've got all these gourmet chefs that are, you know, making these these national products, maybe the technology of the frozen pizza has gotten better. I don't know. As I always say here, you know, I said at the beginning here, it's, it's, it's difficult. We're not, we're not doing a dialogue. But, uh, you know, if you can go on my Facebook page, if there's a frozen pizza that you think is really good, let me know, would you? Because I was shocked to see just how many frozen pizza brands there were in the frozen food aisle at the grocery store. Wow. But anyway, um, so I have you know certain little things of mine that uh, that I you know I do and I don't do. So here's here's a little. <laughs> Here's the thing that that my wife and I had a discussion about. And I was just like, you know what? 
Uh, I didn't even really know I had rules about this, but then as we started to discuss it, I, um, I, I realized I do. And I was talking about the frozen food aisle and the pizza because my wife, as I said, for some reason, um, she's a very good baker, not a great, not a great cook. And so, you know, we have a, an oven that we use. She certainly uses it quite a bit, you know, when she bakes. And then we have, about two or three years ago, uh, we bought a air fryer, which is the cool thing now, right? Everybody has the air fryer. But ours is um, a kind of combination one, too. It's by Black & Decker, and it's not very big at all. And you can actually do a few different things in it. And, and you can kind of, sort of use it like a, the old toaster ovens. We used to have one of those at my house when I grew up. My mom, as I said, you know, we rarely use the real oven. My, my, what my mom used the real oven for, for the most part, aside from making turkeys on, on uh, Thanksgiving, was to um, store pots and pans. We really didn't use the oven. <laughs> we used the toaster oven quite a bit. And so if my wife wants to toast something, if we have something that, uh, you know, would would be instead of being microwaved it would be toasted it it will taste better because you know when you put it in a microwave it makes it hot but it you know it doesn't crisp anything unless you have that crisper thing which i still don't think it works all that well so um she uses the the uh the air fryer on the you know on the the toast um setting and she will toast something now, we have a toaster as well, but something else that's kind of bread-based, like a piece of pizza or something like that. And uh, But inevitably, she always leaves it in just a tad too long to where it burns. And so it, it's become a kind of a, a rolling uh, regular joke now that, you know, oh, she's going to use the toaster oven. And uh, here you go. It's going to burn. Get get the smoke alarms ready. <laughs> Take the batteries out. She's she's moving toward the she's moving toward the toaster oven. Get the batteries out of the out of the out of the smoke alarm because it's going to go off. And she is you know, and I do this. In, it's all in jest, but uh, but it never fails. And I think she's actually starting to get paranoid about it. So she will even like. Well, it's not. Oh no, I like it. I like it a little crispier. You know, and I'll say, oh, it's, come on, I could smell it's burned. Turn it over. And then she turns it over. No, no, I like it dark. Like, okay, nobody likes it. Dark is one thing. Black is another. Black is, when it's, when it's black, it's burnt. You can smell it. And so um, the other day, uh, you know, I you know how much I love pumpkin stuff, and I'm I'm gonna and don't forget, don't don't worry, folks. Um, I will talk about this fall's new pumpkin offerings. If you know anything about me, I know you know I love pumpkin spice, and this is my favorite time of the year when all these pumpkin spice products are out and they're fluttering flood, uh, flooding the market. Some of them are really good, and some are wannabes. They're they're fake. They're not really pumpkin spice. They they want to get in on it, but they're not really committing. I'll get about. I'll get. I'll talk about that in a more um, in depth or uh, in a way, maybe even next week. But for right now, let's just say I had I bought a uh, a pumpkin bread, a swirl pumpkin swirl bread, 
pumpkin spice swirl bread by Thomas's. And it's, it's pretty good. It's not bad. Now, we do have a toaster. And then we do have the toaster oven. But for some reason, even with the toaster, she, she always seems to burn the toast. <laughs> even it's got the settings on it. Now, this is what I want to talk about. Because we we got into a, a discussion about this, so I wonder where where you fall on this, and I'd love to get your reactions on my Facebook page. So, I didn't know I had rules for toast until we had this discussion, and then I realized that we, I really do have rules for toast. <laughs> I have rules for a lot of things, and now I can add toast to the list of things I have rules for. So. I don't know about you. Now, once again, I, you know, I don't know if it's if it's a, a part of, you know, do we like a certain thing because it's just the way that we were raised with it, or 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 do we like something because we got it when we were born? When we were, were not born, when we were raised, and our moms, whoever was cooking for us at the time, you know, until we you know were able to do things on our own, that. We either really love the way the person did it or we didn't like it, but it was almost in those days it was, hey, this is the way it's done. Eat it or not. And though, so then when we become adults or older, when we're doing ourselves, we rebel against the way it was done. Now, toast, if you think about it, toast is, you know, there are some elaborate things that that take a lot of of mastery and 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 you have uh you know attention to detail in terms of recipes um and you know people go to culinary schools you know there's there's there there's an art we know this there's gourmet chefs and then there's people that are just they're not not gourmet chefs but they're good cooks it was handed down generation to generation, regardless of the sex. There's no question that 30, 40, 50 years ago, it was mostly women who were, were preparing the food at home. But that's certainly changed these days. And more men are into cooking. There's so many cooking shows. And and so more men are into cooking than there used to be. So I would say that's probably 50-50 at this point. And many people don't even cook from scratch. A lot of people now are ordering these meals that uh, they give you all the ingredients and then you cook them yourselves at home. Or you even get pre- pre-made meals that you just put in the microwave or in the oven. So our whole world in terms of how we eat at home has changed drastically over the last 30 or 40 years. No question about that. Certainly the last 40 years or 50 years. But when you think about it, toast which you would think, well, what's so big about toast? It, it, I would think that on the level of difficulty, making toast is probably your gateway to be to be becoming someone that, or, or, or is your gateway into learning how to cook. Right when you're a little kid. Your parents, I think, feel safer with you using the toaster initially. And it's, you know, I mean, think about it. The toaster, it just, 
it seems like a toy. And I know you have to be careful, but you always hear this, you know, the, the warning, don't stick the knife or the fork in the toaster, you'll get electrocuted. I don't even know if that's true or not. Because I have done that, and I've never got electrocuted. So I don't know if that's just an old wives' tale, or maybe it's true. Maybe I've just been lucky. But, I mean, the toaster, from a, from a child's standpoint, I think is, is, is that first mechanism, especially for food. I mean, when we're little kids, we all love food, right? We just, we, we, we want, we're all, you know, I mean, babies are always screaming for food. So little kids are really centered on food. And that toaster, it's like a toy. It's like a, it's like a jack-in-the-box. You know, it's, it's, it, when you think about it, it was, as a little kid, I mean, I wish I had the same innocence and ignorance of, of, of be able to, to remember what I thought of when I first saw a toaster work for the first time. Because it, it really is, a, not only is it a, a cool invention, but it's, if you're a little kid, it is entertaining. It's like a jack-in-the-box. I mean, think about it. There it is. It's, you know, it's, it's usually, you know, looking metallic looking. So it looks, the toaster looks intimidating, especially in today's world. It's got all that industrial look. It's always silver and, you know, it's either a matte finish or it's shiny and it's got, you know, four slots or two slots or six slots. So it could be very big or very small, but the toaster always has its own personality and its own distinct look. And it's got those slots in it, you know, and then if you look inside, I mean, my God, how cool is that when you see those orange coils? So the toaster is, it, to me, uh, is a cool invention to begin with, but I have to think that, you know, and it's hard to look back at, and, and with the same kind of naive eyes that you've had, but I have to think that I was, the first time I had to look at the toaster, I had to think like that is one of the coolest toys that that you know that i that that's around and it's like a jack-in-the-box it really is think about it you know you've got those slut those slots there and you know you you put the bread in and then you know you 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 hit that that lever and in the and it disappears just like a jack-in-the-box right and then you're waiting and you're waiting and then without any real notification or alarm, one minute you're waiting and the next, poof, the, the post pops up back. I mean, I have to think, if you're a little kid, that's got to be an attention grabber, the toaster. And it's, and I, I would think that it's, you know, it, there, there, certainly it's, it's an electrical appliance, so you have to be a little, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, safe with it. But I think when I'm thinking as a little kid, what was the first thing I ever did? I'm sure that I made toast for myself before I was allowed to use the, uh, you know, the, the 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 range or the stove. I'm sure that. You know, it's kind of, as I said, that's why this toaster might be the gateway to the rest of your cooking uh, experience. Because for the most part, 
it's still safe. There are certain things you have to be a little uh, concerned about, but it's relatively safe. If it's plugged in and you put the two slices of toast, let's just let's say it's a two slicer. Maybe you got a four slicer. Maybe you got a six slicer. Oh, wow, look at you. Or maybe an eight slicer. Look at wow. I mean that now that's I mean that's bragging rights there. I would think that eight slices about do they make an eight slicer? I don't know. Once again, I was an only child. We didn't need in our house, we didn't need to make eight slices of toast at one time or six slices of toast at one time. So let's just go let's get the standard two slice just to be safe here. But I have to think that that, um, if you're going to introduce a a child as they begin to get older and you're giving them a little more, uh, you know, responsibility and, oh, you want, hey, you can make your own toast. I think that's where you start. Before you go to the stove and certainly before you go to the oven, I think you start with the toaster, don't you? Now, in these days, uh, it might be the microwave, certainly, but... You know, when I was a little kid, there wasn't a microwave yet. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know that. How could there not have been a microwave? I mean, there was. The microwave oven technology was around, but everyone didn't have a microwave oven until, at least in my world, until like the late 70s or early 80s. So as a little kid, I was, like I said, we still had the toaster oven or the toaster. So now I guess today, now that I think about it, but I still think that the toaster is more exciting to watch and fun if you're a little kid because of that surprise factor. You don't know when the toast is going to pop up. I mean, sure, the microwave has its little, its, its entertainment value, right? Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, you put it in, you see it through the, uh, you know, through the little window, most uh, microwaves, they have the little the, 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 the plate that moves. So, you know, the, the, there's, there's motion and uh, you can hear it. It's humming. Many times you can see through that window uh, things cooking. And, and if you have something with cheese, it quickly bubbles within seconds. So there's no question. I mean, it's, and, you know, the microwave really is almost like a mini television, right? It's, I mean, that the window is a little foggy for the most part, but it's almost like a screen. And it's easy to work, right? You hit, and in today's world, my God, you hit one, and it, it's expressed for a minute. You don't even have to hit the one three zero start thing or whatever you're doing. They've made it as simple as possible. So now I guess in, in the modern age, perhaps the microwave oven more than the toaster, is the thing that kids will probably learn first, now that I think about it. But in terms of a, at least when I was growing up, in terms of what looked to be like a different kind of toy, it was up on the counter, first of all. And, you know, the counter at that time when your kid is always higher than you was kind of out of your reach. So the toaster... You know, because of that, you know, what goes on in the microwave, too, you know, you can't really burn yourself while it's cooking. But as I said, the toaster, you could get a little adventurous and want to stick your hand in there. So there is a little, there is a little, uh, you know, danger 
to the toaster. But when you're a little kid, you're on the ground, you're looking up at the counter, and that toaster is up there, so it's just far enough. But my gosh, as I said, the uh, the excitement of when the toast pops up, uh, that's, that's jack-in-the-box kind of entertainment that uh, I still enjoy. In fact, I wish... And now here's another idea I'm throwing out to you, you toaster, you toast, you, you, you toaster makers. In today's world, you mean to tell me that you can't have a musical toaster? Do they have, and once again, I don't know. Maybe they have this. But this is getting to my main point here about what I'm going to really want to talk about is, are you a light toast fan a dark toast fan or a burnt toast fan some people like burnt i don't know how you could like that maybe you like it because your mom or whoever made you toast always burnt it and you grew up liking burnt but certainly there's dark and there's light and then there's ultra light where the toast where the bread is barely toasted it's just kind of warm but that's the great thing about the toaster is that that surprise. The toast, it goes away, it disappears, and then it comes back. But my point is, as I'm just thinking about this now, I can't believe that they can't make, you know, you know on the settings, you know, you've got one, two, three, four, five, maybe there's five settings on how light or dark you want your toast. I don't know how, there's just one, two, I mean, those to me are, they're arbitrary numbers. I don't know what the one, I don't know if one is a minute, two is two minutes, three, I don't know if it works on a minute, I'm not sure how it works. But all I know is there are some times when it seems like that toast will never be done. Now, at the end of the day, it's probably three to four minutes, right? At at most, I never timed it, I should. But there's some times when you just want a quick piece of toast and it seems like forever. And a lot of times you just, you bypass the timer and you just pop it out. Okay, I, I, it, I'll take it, whatever shape or form it, it's in. And I, I am very, I am very impatient when it comes to toast or even in the microwave. You know, they say three minutes in the microwave. That is the longest three. When you're hungry, that is a long three minutes. I mean, I have, I try to, I try to leave the room and go do something so I won't just be watching the, uh, the, the numbers count down. But I do know that for the most part, I always bypass the toaster timer and pop the toast before it was officially done according to the timer. I always do it. And, and sometimes I'll even say, well, instead of me doing that, I'll set it for a lower time. I'll set it for on two or three. And then I will still hit it. And sometimes then, of course, the bread is, is barely, it's not even toast. It's, it's not even warm yet. So that's what I really want to talk about. What is your favorite kind of toast? Do you have rules for toast? Because I think I do. I didn't think I did, but I, I, but as I talked about it, and maybe I was devising the rules as I was talking about it, but I do know I don't like dark toast. I like 
either medium or even less than, you know that less than medium toast? Where, as I said before, it's there's just a hint. There's just a hint of browning where the bread still might even be pliable. So I'm always, you know, I'm a premature, a premature um, toast maker. <laughs> I'm a premature toast ejector, if you will. <laughs> Notice I put toast in there. <laughs> but I'm a premature toast ejector. And so I obviously like my toast on the light side. Now, I remember, as I said, my mom could could ruin toast she wasn't even she was not good at even making toast she would i think that's why i have i rebelled against her toast and that's why i then go to the other opposite side where the toast that i eat most of the time or that i have most of the time is either due to two things my impatience like when is this toast going to come out or my preference for it to be on that lighter side. And I'm trying to, to get that, that perfect timing down where, as I said, I actually, I, I, I like the toast, the bread to even be a little still pliable. Because I remember when my mom made toast, it was like a rock. It was hard. And you'd put the butter on it, and the butter didn't even want to melt on it because it was so. It was was like the butter almost slid off of it because it was so burnt, and you could taste the burn. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not big on burnt stuff. That's why people say, oh, you know, I don't really, I'm not crazy about barbecue food. I like it. But I'm not crazy about it because I'm, I'm not. Everybody's like, "Oh, look, it's got the great burn marks on it. Oh, this has got that, that burnt flavor to it." I always think, basically, in my view, barbecue food, at least to my taste buds, if if I were to if if I were to cook a hamburger on a in a skillet on a stove, in the house, and I were to char it. I mean, char is another word. To me, char is burnt. That's, I mean, if you char something, I think it's burnt. I think even in the dictionary, it means burnt or certainly severely cooked. Now, we have given great um, prominence to char broiled and char this and char that. But, and maybe it goes back to the way my mom used to cook. But when I, if I made you a hamburger on a skillet inside the house, not outside, not without tongs, not without grills and not without the charcoal and all the, accoutrements that go into the 
charcoal experience. And believe me, I'm sure there's a lot of people up there and you're saying, screw you, Jim. I love to barbecue. It's my thing. I can appreciate that. I have a, I have a, a grill. I used to grill a lot more than I, than I do now, but I did it. I get it. I have the tongs. I have, I, I got into the whole thing. And if you like to barbecue, maybe people, some people barbecue all summer. That's all they eat is barbecued everything. That's great. I'm not putting it down at all. I think it's great that you do that. And if that's something that you enjoy doing, more power to you. But I just, I always look at it like, like like it's kind of burnt. It's charred. If I gave you a hamburger that was charred, inside the house that I made in the house without the tongs, without your apron on that says, you know, cook of the house and all that stuff. You know, you weren't out there scrubbing your your grill and getting your charcoal or turning it on and getting all your, your you know, and marinating and all the stuff that goes in, rubbing, all the stuff that goes into barbecue cooking. I understand it's a, it's a whole process. It's a whole experience. I get it. If you are a barbecuer, uh, more power to you. I, I think it's great. Go nuts. But I do also think there are times when people that are barbecuing, they burn, they burn it. But then they, oh, well, that, well it's, on the, it's on the grill. You can't, it's impossible to burn anything when it's on the grill. I think that's a cop-out. I think you could burn stuff on the grill. If I gave you a hamburger that I made inside the house and charred it to the same degree that sometimes you get fed a a, a barbecued hamburger by someone, because everybody thinks that, you know, I mean, you know, there's some people that think they're great grillers and they aren't, and you you go by their house and you kind of eat it anyway, right? But you know that. Let's be honest. But when it's on the grill and it's burnt, when it's charred, you say, okay, great. But if I gave you that thing, you'd say, I'm not eating this hamburger. It's burnt. (laughs) So I think there's also something else going on in there. But regardless, you can have really dark, burnt toast. And uh, I just, I'm not... I'm not a fan of dark toast. Some people do like dark toast. You see them when they go to the restaurant. You know, they have some you know toast on the side. Yeah, can you make it dark? Make it dark. Sometimes it comes to you, and it's just they don't even ask you. And it's to me when at a place, I if I order toast, I say, can I? Can you make it on the light side? I say that because it seems like for the most part, when you go to a restaurant and they give you toast. It seems like the toast is more on the dark side, if not even a little burnt. That's not my thing. Whether it's my impatience or I just have grown to like it. But I like to have my toast a little pliable. It seems to me that the bread, that the butter or whatever you're putting on it melts better when it's not overly toasted. When it's lightly toasted, it seems like the butter melts better. Maybe that's just my perception. 
The other day, my wife was using the toaster, making toast, and I was sitting at the table. My back was to her, and I said, oh, you're making toast, huh? (laughs) She said, yes. And I said, you better pop it. It It smells like it's burning. No, it's not. You know, she pops it out. And sure enough, I'm not even facing her. And this is where this is where my rule then was my first rule of toast, which I didn't even know I had a first rule of toast, but I guess I have a first rule of toast. And I I and I I formulated it on the spot about three days ago with my back to her. And this is how I knew that the toast was burnt. Aside from the smell, it wasn't overly burnt, but it was getting there. It, 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 was, it was right on the verge, another 10 seconds. And I'll tell you, that's the one thing about a good toaster. It only takes 10 seconds more for that toast to go from good to burnt. Every toaster is different. You have to get a sense for your toaster. You have to really play with your toaster. And, you know, I would say that you, the first day you buy a toaster, you should buy a whole, you should buy at least a half a loaf of bread and just make toast and put it on every setting to see where it goes. Okay, that's one. That's not going to happen. Two, well, maybe I like it at two. Three, now maybe three is too long, so maybe I got to wait when I put it on three and then I have to maybe hit it a little earlier. Maybe four, it depends, but five to me isn't, on any toaster, five is too much. It's you're gonna you're gonna get my mom's toast. You know it's gonna it's gonna be like a rock. I want my toast to be bendable. I like to break my toast when I'm eating it. And I'll get on the whole subject of English muffins in a second. But we're just talking about right now about wheat or white bread toast. So. I have my back to her, and I'm going out on my little, you know, kind of half-serious, half-joking rampage, you know, tirade about toast and how she burnt it again. And I said, you burnt it. And she's like, no, I didn't. It's the way I like it. It's not burnt. Look. And I said, I don't have to look. I was listening to her buttering the toast. And so on the spot, I said, I can tell it's overdone. I can tell it's burnt because I can hear you spreading the butter on the toast. If the toast makes noise, and you know that toast noise, that scratchy toast noise, when toast is burnt or it's made too much, the bread is hard. And the butter, as I said before, it's not soaking in because the bread is like, it's, 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 it's tough. It's flat. And so the, when you, when you, when you burn the toast or you actually crack the toast, it's like ice sometimes. It cracks. And you can hear when you're toasting, you can hear the knife. 
spreading that toast and it's scratching. The butter is the knife and the butter are, 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 are creating friction because that toast is so burnt and then it's cracking. And you know that sound. I know you know it. In my view, the perfect piece of toast, I should not be able to hear it being buttered. If I hear that scratchy sound of the knife scraping against the, 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 the toast as you're buttering it, I know it's been overdone. So that's my rule of toast. I don't have to see it. I don't have to smell it. I know that a piece of toast is either cooked too long or burnt, not by sight and not by by smell, but by sound. To me, the perfect piece of toast, you can't hear the knife buttering it. I mean, think about it. When you, when you butter a, a plain piece of bread that hasn't been toasted, do you hear anything? Of course not. There's, no, there's nothing to make a sound. You have soft butter and soft bread. No sound. As you start to toast, you're creating a frictional type of surface. If you go too far, you get that scratchy, burnt sound, which tells me too much. But if you make the toast at the correct level you can still toast it and it will not make a sound it may make a little sound and certainly much more than just buttering a a dry, a dry piece of of bread that makes no sound but if you're sitting at the table and somebody is a few feet away from you at the toaster to, you know buttering their toast If you can hear them buttering or jamming or jellying their toast or peanut buttering their toast, whatever it is, if you can hear that, it's done too much. So that is my rule of toast. If you can hear the buttering, it's done too much. That's the way I... I can view it. Now, as I said, I from the look of it too, yes, I like it just a little lightly, not a lot, just lightly. It's not raw. It's not just bread right out of the package. There's a brown to it. There's a little toast thing. But certainly, it's not dark. Certainly, the ends of the thing aren't burnt. It's pliable still where you can actually, you can tear it. That's the difference. You can tear the piece of bread. You can tear the toast, but 
if it's burnt or it's made too much, you break it. You can it, it snaps. It's like a piece of wood. Your toast should not snap and it should not crack and it should not scratch. Your toast should 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 tear. And it shouldn't make a scratching sound. To me, that is the rule of toast. Now, I'll tell you, the, the, the tougher part is definitely the English muffin. Not easy. That one's a tough one. I would actually say, and as a fan of the English muffin, and I love a good English muffin, as a fan of the English muffin, I would say if you really want a consistent English muffin, I don't know if you can use a toaster. Because I think if you use a toaster oven, which does usually have the glass, you can look in there, you want a, a perfectly toasted muffin. I mean, the goal to a, an English muffin is those little those little holes, right? The little holes in the muffin. But your goal is that you want the tips of all of those little holes to just be a tad brown. Not a lot. Once again, if I can hear you buttering your muffin, <laughs> it shouldn't be scratchy. You don't want your you don't want a scratchy muffin. <laughs> Double entendres flowing left and right here. You don't want a scratchy muffin. You don't want a burnt muffin. <laughs> you want a soft muffin. You want one that's just bare, that's just lightly brown. <laughs> if I can hear you buttering your muffin, <laughs> then it's it's cooked too much. It's you, you've burnt your muffin. You don't want to burn your muffin. <laughs> Bagels are the same way. You don't want to over, you know, I mean, some people, I mean, you shouldn't really, a, a, I don't even think you should toast a, a bagel, but they are good toasted. Don't get me wrong, but you can't, you can't over taste. You can't overdo it. You're going to ruin it. The, the The great thing about a great, a great bagel is its pliability. You can almost scrunch it. So it's okay to lightly toast it, but you don't want to burn it. You just don't want to burn your toast of any kind. You want to burn your bread. You don't want to burn your muffin, certainly, and you don't want to burn your bagel. And to me, I think a, a good rule of thumb is that if you can hear yourself, if you can hear the buttering with the knife, it's burnt. Now, here's my idea for the toaster real quick. You know, all these different settings. Well, can't we have like a little song? Like, like, the, like the Jeopardy song. I would think in today's world, with all the technology, you can plug in your, you know, your, your phone or your, your, your device with wherever your music. You can plug it into anything. Music, you can get music in your refrigerator and everything. So why can't every setting on the toaster have a little song and when the song is done then you know that it's going to pop up 
So now if I know what the song is on three, for instance, and I don't want it to go all the way to three, I still don't know where it is in that cycle. But if there was a song playing and I got to know the the setting, the third setting song, I would know that song is almost done and I'm going to punch it. I'm going to, I'm going to lift that toast out early. So why can't I have a musical toaster with a different song, with a different, um, length of a song to match the length of the time that each setting is for the toast. I think that would be a great idea. A musical toaster would then help would, would help me to make my perfect setting of of the type of toast that I want so that I wouldn't be hearing anybody scratching their toast from halfway across the kitchen. So Let's review. (laughs) There are, everybody has their own taste of toast. Maybe you like this. If you like a burnt toast, more power to you. That's great. But if you're not a fan of the burnt toast, I think the, the scratching sound is the determining factor of whether you've burnt the toast or not. And I have to say that when if you burn a piece of toast, I mean, I know today bread is not cheap, but I mean, if you've, if you've burnt a piece of toast, I would throw it out. Start over. Because toast, I really do like toast. And if, you, if, it's, if it's burnt, it's not fun. It's not good. So that's another thing. I, I know it's terrible to waste food, but if you burn a piece of toast too much where it, when, it, when it cracks, that's not even, you're not throwing away food. You're throwing away a failure. You failed at toast. So throw it out and start over again. But I think a good rule of thumb is for a good piece of toast, your toast should break instead of crack, and it should be relatively silent when you butter it if it's if it's scratchy or loud when you are buttering it's too much and i think if you follow that simple rule it's not that crazy it's not that hard to follow you don't even have to be able to look at it as i said i could tell when my wife i could have my my back to my wife and know if she burnt a piece of toast So go by the sound of the toast. And I believe that you will have a very enjoyable toasted bread experience every time. The quieter the toast, the better the toast. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 382. I'm Elton Jim. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.